it's nothing personal for me. It's just business. The streets of Baltimore, on the streets of Detroit, during the, the 60s in New York City. Immediately within it, you are going to get those people whose differences are not being articulated, which is right us. So, you expecting any backlash? Oh, I'm already getting it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> How does that feel? Yo, what's good with everybody? I am Amoja, the Mo Man Tumblr. With me, as always, is... I mean, Drew Law, uh, please put your phone on silent, buddy. My phone is on silent. Oh, that was my phone. Ooh, ooh, ooh. See what happens? We'll fix it in post. Let this be a lesson for all that try to come for me. The fastest point to that is don't. Let me tell you why you're here. You're here because you know something. What you know you can't explain, but you feel it. That there's something wrong with the world. You don't know what it is, but it's there, like a splinter in your mind. I don't want this to really be like kind of like part two of the Jay-Z conversation, but like, again, it's one of the most uh, engaged topics that we keep getting on social media. So I really just want to spend a little bit more time defining what we mean by a seat at the table, right? Now, first off, let it be known. I'm a baby tanky. I was grown up on people like Che Guevara. I was grown up on people like Mao. So I'm coming straight up from a communist perspective of what that means. It means we all own all this shit, right? Nobody owns more or less of it than anybody else on platform. But if you want to come at it from the perspective of black capitalism, there are people that have tried to do this system very well, tried to do the seat at the table. One of the people I think about is Sam Cooke. Mm. So I like to try to compare what Sam Cooke did in the movement once we had that position, that industrial white power, compare and contrast that to what somebody like Sean Carter has done, right? Because it shows that there are black capitalists that believe in these kind of things that are trying to make these kind of things happen, right? And I think, and you're doing a great job, I, just, I think that's one of the things that we, we come to terms with. Like, we can't expect everyone to sort of be on this like communist, socialist, wherever you may fall there, right, you know, right, but definitely right. anti-capitalist movement. Right. You know, we understand that like everyone is not here over on the radical side like us, which everyone should be if we want a utopian society. But there are artists out there that we talk about that are not perfect, but because they make really genuine attempts, you know what I'm saying, further the movement, even if they're not exact, they don't know exactly where to the weak points really are, you know what I'm saying? We applaud those people, and that's, I think, what we're going with when it comes to Sam Cooke versus Jay-Z. Right. So this was a person that, if you don't know who Sam Cooke was, he was a singer in the 50s and the 60s. You better know who Sam Cooke is. I don't think everybody does, man. Really Everyone listening man. to this podcast better know who Sam Cooke is. I mean, look, I just want to make room for a lot of people. Look, if you don't know who Sam Cooke is, there's a lot of things you can do. One, you can go to YouTube, and you're going to get a lot of great music from him, Right. Two, there's a wonderful documentary about him on uh, Netflix right now. And so you can educate yourself. You're right. I shouldn't shame people for not knowing Sam Cooke. I mean, I'm just saying, I like, not everybody you, looks back. You know what I'm saying? Not You're everybody my conscious. Looks back. You might hear, like, someone name, like, Marvin Gaye and be like, oh, I know Marvin Gaye. But even then, I don't think most people know Marvin Gaye the way they should. I'm I being mean, ageist. People that's even alive today, like, like Stevie Wonder, bro. Somebody that, I mean, God, man, I hope Stevie lives for 7,000 years, right? But the day he kicks, everybody's going to lose their shit. Like, oh, I loved him so much. And you motherfuckers ain't listening to Stevie Wonder three times this fucking year. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And so, like, Sam Cooke isn't even as big as them at this time. Though there was a time he was bigger than all of them. Right. 
You know what I'm saying? Like, they saw him as the black Frank Sinatra. This was a dude that was on all kinds of shows that were essentially like the Ed Sullivan show, which was the biggest thing in the world back then. You know what I'm saying? Black dudes are almost never on. He was clean cut for a long time. But then he was like one of the first people, when he started to get that power and they accepted him, he starts growing froze. He was a real, he was a real woke bay. Right? He's out there kicking it with Malcolm X, like on the regular, you know, they're friends hanging out with Muhammad Ali. Yeah, parlaying the, with big names in, you know, right. the radical activist right. space. Not like, I went to see Martin Luther King speak one time with 600,000 other people. Sanders. Yeah. <laughs> but a person whose name was really showing up redacted in government reports just from the motherfuckers you running around, bro. Yeah. Because they watching... Fucking Muhammad Ali. The Alphabet they, Group had you on some lists. Right. Now just that's for how being, you exactly right. right. Just for being what doing what you're doing, being non-oppressive. You know what I'm saying? Which ruins their whole like hegemonic power and that like anti, you know, like anti-blackness needs someone who is of color or right. is black right. to like adhere to the particular standards of whiteness. And when that doesn't happen, you know what I'm saying? You start getting on lists. Right. I mean, this would be not like, hanging out with billionaire white people someone that the only way you could compare him in contemporary society the kind of a black person that most white people revere the way they revered sam cook it would be like tiger woods finding out tiger woods and patricia you know coloreds are like super close friends like he's giving tens of millions of dollars to black lives matter and you know going to you know meet with you know, premier Islamic, uh, you know, activist. And, and you know what I'm saying? Putting in that kind of anti, that kind of work. That's the equivalent, right? That's how respected someone like Sam Cooke was. You look at him and you think he's the square dude. Almost like a, like a, like a childish Gambino type. You know, the very safe kind of black dude. But quietly, like, you're giving a lot of money to, like, real black people that are, like, doing some really deep stuff in the movement. Kaepernick is the closest you get to that. But the thing is, when you're talking about someone like Sam Cooke, he's making publishing companies for black people, where black people own the rights to this music, right? He's going up against the mafia, for God's sake, you know, and the alphabet organizations. Like, you don't even, there's so many people who want to kill him for the ways that he's disrupting the system to help black people at the detriment to himself, mind you. To the detriment of him making more money, right, and him being a, a larger part of the white what, right. aristocracy, or or you know what I mean, like right. that. <clears throat> that's that's sort of like I think I think about this often too, man. Like platform, like like when we talk about platform, and I think we all want to make our platforms larger because there are things that we want to say that we feel are important to like the national audience or to like society today. And you want to reach people so we can further the movement. That's what we're doing with this podcast. Right. Right. Would you say? Right. And we would like to have a larger platform, but it is what it is. The reason I think we want to have a larger platform is because we want to reach more people with a message. We don't want larger platform. So once we get that larger platform, we can use it to springboard ourselves to another larger platform. It's not about gaining and gaining and gaining audience. If you're not making an impact. And I think that's what Jay-Z's argument's been. Look how much money I'm making and look how great that's doing for everyone else. You can be like me too. I'm in this room. I'm having these conversations with these people. And juxtaposing that to what Sam Cooke was doing was not only was he giving money, I think something, you know, I really hate the conversation of money in terms of a positive, but it is real. He was also like 
me like this is what really gets me is that you're sitting down and you're having real live conversations and creating plans and strategies to for anti-oppression methodology what didn't jay-z say oh we're past kneeling we're We're about actions right sam cook was about action yeah he was about that life and if you want to talk about actions and this is a you know just the great conversation that we're having sort of what happens when you just wash away like history you know what i'm saying it's like what's the newest shit what's what's happening and there's no historical context we can point to an artist that is beloved right you would say sam cook is one of the most beloved of at least millennials and up you know, I, I, right. or, or maybe, you know, a significant portion of people. I know my circle knows who Sam Cooke is. But right. yeah, I think it's just a great point to like show out there that it's not like we're trying to hate on somebody. We're not looking, we're, we're not excited that people can find more opportunities, which I think is what we're getting on Instagram, right? Right. right. Yeah, I mean, it's like they're acting like this thing that Jay-Z is doing, no one's ever done it. I mean, essentially, what Tidal has done is no different from what Prince was trying to do. It's no different from what Jay Prince has already done. I mean, Southern moguls had been doing what Jay-Z just started doing. And, of course, it's in branding, right? Branding, you always want to make it seem like your idea is the newest, the freshest thing. But all it is is how are we going to get people this music? Once you get it down to the end of those things. And so there were black people that were doing these things before. What you got to look at is what's the impact they were having on the black people around them. Look at that. Because of the influence of someone like Jay Prince, who we're going to come back to a little bit later on in the podcast, you can have someone like Brad Johnson, who is literally running for political office. This is the way Jay Prince has moved through the world to be able to help the people that came up under him show power in a real way. Who's come up under Jay-Z that's had the ability to do these kind of things? I mean, Jay-Z might run for president. But is it different if the only person you could find you would say Kanye, I guess, right? But they're not in close circle anymore. No, they're they're not. That, but that's the only that's the only person I can think of. Right. And, and look and, and look who look who Kanye had to be absolutely to be able to stay around. Kanye created with him. his own opportunities by going a route that very few of us would go. Myself certainly included. Jay Z didn't make those breaks for him. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I he totally had to agree. burn You're a right. lot of bridges to get to where he was at. Right. You know. But but Jay Z should have been looking. That should have been his protege. Yeah. Like that should have been the one dude that couldn't nobody ever say nothing about y'all's relationship and it's sour even with y'all. I just always think too about like what it is when I choose to be a friend to someone or not choose, but you you know what I'm saying? No, like when we you make become a choice a, to be a friend. Yeah. Okay. When I choose to be friends with somebody or I choose to like do art with somebody, like it is important for me to be intentional and to think like you did work with Kanye for so long. And then once it became unsavory to sort of deal with Kanye, it was like, man, I knew from jump he was fucked up, you know, and he ran with that. Yeah. And I ran with it, too. I mean, yeah, yeah. I I, I, yeah. I was hook, line and sinker with that. I was like, yeah, even Jay is talking about Kanye because I had this anger towards Kanye. You know, right. it's just like what happens when you get let down. Like I talk right, a lot right. about celebrity worship, but it affects me, too. And, I, you know, it's just so interesting for, for us to, to for me to think about two years ago, like if we were talking more about Jay-Z or talking more about Kanye it would be like we're having more conversation about Jay. And that's because I feel like Kanye at this point is not really a conversation that I think moves the needle for us. I think we're pretty close on it, you know, and I think right. most people are. I don't, we're not furthering the narrative with that. Right. But it is it is interesting to me. You know what I'm saying? Mosby at it again, yo. She doing that work, huh? Yeah, man. What's popping? So Marilyn Mosby, Baltimore. She is the state attorney for Baltimore. State attorney. Right. So she is the person essentially that Kamala was, except she's that. Well, Kamala was, was she the California state attorney or was she just uh, San Francisco? 
Man, let's look it up. You keep okay. talking, I'm going to tell All you. All right, there we go. But essentially, Kamala and her had the same job. The only difference is the capacity of power, perhaps. Mosby is, she's just Baltimore, right? She's not for the state. Yeah, I believe she's Baltimore City. Okay, right. So what she's doing is she asked the courts to literally toss eight Hundred convictions from the uh, from a police tra- uh, task force in Baltimore that was called the Gun Trace Task Force because these were dudes that were going <laughs> I remember around. Remember that in the wire? Th- yeah, right. They were throwing dirty guns on people just to get easy convictions mm-hmm. for people. Like, think about your whole life has changed. Now, again, when we talk about rehabilitative justice. You went to prison for something literally. Like, you might have sold some weed, and these cops didn't throw a dirty gun on you. Now this you is canon, by the way. Prison, prison, right? This is not a yeah. conspiracy theory. And let's this be is- honest. Let's, let's let's let's. I'll break this down too, just to give her more praise. Baltimore has been one of the most, if not the most, uh, corrupt police force, at least in the argument. Absolutely. Yeah. In in the game in the last so many years, you know, fifty years, you know. Anyway, continue. You're doing a great right. job. So when you talk about like what I really want to see, you know, when people talk about identity politics, what I want to see happening. Again, it's always much more someone like Mosby. It shows you, it's like the Trump versus Obama argument when people talk about there's only so much power you have and then like Trump is like, I did it because I wanted to and I'm the president. Like Mosby does that, but like from a pro-black perspective for Baltimore. She says, this system is corrupt. I am, it is my job to prosecute the crimes that I want to prosecute because they're always making a choice. What are the cases that I'm going to try? What are the cases that I'm not going to try? And the cases that she's trying are dirty cops. And after she tries these dirty cops, she goes and she tries to retroactively look at the damage that they have done to communities and make impact. I got nothing but praise for somebody like that. That's, that's how you work the system from the system. You hit it right on the mm-hmm. head. And I'm so glad we we sort of bringing her into the canon now for right. us. You know, because the, like, we, like we always talk about, Finding it's hard to find politicians that we can take and go. Here is an, another example of what we're looking for. So just to bring, just since you, we were talking about that, mm-hmm. Kamala Harris is the Attorney General of California. That's the whole the state. whole shebang. And we're talking about Marilyn Mosby. She is the state's attorney for the city of Baltimore. Okay. So <clears throat> I think what's interesting too, like when you talk about Kamala Harris, is not you were. We we have an example now of someone saying, I'm going to prosecute dirty cops. Kamala Harris was the type of person that said, I'm going to prosecute parents for not sending their kids to school. Do you see how the when you juxtapose those two things, just like we were talking about with Jay and Sam Cooke, how they're so clearly different that how can I go over here and praise this right. when I see the example of something I rock with right here? That's using your seat at the table. Right. But all too often, what's happening with the seat at the table, we've talked about it before. Why do I care who's got a seat at the table if I'm still the meal? If the new person that's pulling up a seat at the table don't change the meal, then why do I care? Yeah, your ass is still getting eaten up. I'm still getting eaten up. I just want to give praise to that. Yo, so we got all this popping off in uh, Hong Kong. I feel like that's definitely something. Because that was one of the few times where me and you had kind of different perspectives yeah. on it. You want to uh, – let me let me explain my perspective. Sure. And then we're going to go into your perspective, sure. which I think ultimately is what's coming to pass. If you know there – it's still a complicated situation. I'm not going to dive into it. If you want to know more, I will say this. Do your own research. You know, like we're going to do the best we can to explain it. But this is a These much – very powerful political – 
circumstances that hundreds of mitigating factors have to do, and they're very complicated. Very true. So please, like, even when we talk about these subjects, like, just let them be a, a, a place for you to start to do your own research because although we are saucy and we are good with hunting with this shit, we all know everything. And we ain't we, here and, to tell you what to think, man. Exactly. We're here to give you ideas to think about. Make your own decisions. Right, right, right. So, um... Let's see, where was I going with this? You're talking about Hong Kong, man. Hong Kong, thank you. You come in power for the people, bro. Um, yeah, so, you know, anytime I have certain principles, and one of my sort of principles is I never blame the people. I'm never upset with the people in the way that, like, maybe there should be some room for nuance. But, you know, I'm looking at a situation where you have this huge hegemonic power in, in China, and, you know, the Hong Kongers are sort of trying to gain some more uh, autonomy from a a huge hegemonic power, which I'm always for. I'm always rooting for that, the underdog. In terms of protest culture, like what they were doing, like as an activist, as a person who like believes in civil disobedience, um, you know, you can pick up a lot of what people are doing, you know. And um, I really applauded them for that and I supported them in that way because, you know, I'm interested in power for the people because there are so many, like you said, mitigating factors. There's so many intricacies that come down to a place like Hong Kong who has huge importance, you know, just in terms of economics. Uh, it's just, there's so many people paying attention to it that there's always going to be bigger powers at play. And you can kind of see now that this has sort of become, you know, China and Trump and like all the things, the intricacies that, that exist with that. And I think that's sort of where you were coming from and you kind mm -hmm. of seen this coming. Right. So where I would jump in, right, is what I love about you is you always look at the individual, right? And that's super critical. Like when the movement loses sight of the individual, the movement has lost perspective and becomes only a slave of the machine, right? However, for me, I try to look at systems in macro, and I remember that always people are a thing that can be politicized, and we're all, all of us, all day subjected to propaganda from a million points of view, a million perspectives. Propaganda, we've never lived in a time where propaganda has been more beautifully weaponized to the point whereas we just think that it's marketing. You know what I'm saying? And like, what's been- Chamberlain. Right? No, absolutely. Right. And that's kind of what Jay Z Jay Z is auditioning to be the Chamberlain. Yeah. He's the speaker. Ooh. He's gonna be the speaker to sell. This people. is why media is important. This is why we compare media. Because it's it's important to know Chamberlain and the, what the Skeksis represent and know where Jay is and, and moving those media. Yeah, anyway, just praise to that, you, my right, friend. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Next right? level shit. So like looking at the people, like what's happening in Hong Kong is you have to remember China and the United States are in a trade war. The people that live in China are used to a certain a big trade way war of life. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And this trade war is essentially by both countries' depth standards. It's to see who will control the econ economy of the next hundred years. That's what's happening right now. And so thank huge God. Stakes. Is just an economic war and, and a low-level economic war because it could get harder on both sides. But at the very least, they're in an economic trade war. So what happens is you have all of these people that have been raised in a way that is very Western, right? Very British. They were, you know, and they saw that as this is what real civilization is. And this is how the weaponization of white supremacy and colonialism becomes so effective because it teaches you to hate yourself and to love something that you could never be, you know what I'm saying, more than you can ever love you. So you're talking about all of these people in Hong Kong that want to be thought of the way the West would think of them in a positive way. They don't want to be thought of as these backwards mainlanders, these communists. They don't want to be thought of in that way, right? 
and it creates tension because we're not talking about a, a population that's long enough to have created a true ethnicity. They've been less than it's been less than 150 years since Hong Kong hasn't belonged to China. Now, it gives you enough time to maybe create a new culture, maybe. But at the same time, you have to look at why there is this tension, right? Like any tension that happens is better for the people that have the war going on. It becomes a methodology that you can use to exert pressure on your opponent. And everything that's happening there is being watched fervently by the United States and also places like Taiwan. And so China's hands are held back in a way. Now, when you think about the level of civic unrest, right, and we talk about China as a human rights violator, Compare and contrast two, Amer- two, two Western nations that have had similar types of riots over the past five years. The United States with Ferguson. As a person that was out there in those streets, man, we saw tanks. You know what I'm saying? We saw cops that were dressed up like the military. Like, and we were just there saying, please don't shoot us. You know what I'm saying? For, like, being alive. We weren't saying don't extradite us when we commit crimes, Right, that's the root of the Hong Kong problem. Like, we want to be tried in Hong Kong courts when we do wrong shit. We don't want it because in in China, they'll fucking kill you. Like, if you're corrupt, they will fucking kill you. Like, the government will be like, hey, you're bad, you gotta go. You know what I'm saying? The thing is, that happens here too. It just happens on the street. It happens when someone that looks like me, right, is said that you took maybe $20 worth of cigars. You get shot dead. Yeah, well, I, you know, you make a good point, you know, because... For, you have to call the spade a spade. So wherever there is oppression, you have to speak out against oppression. Right. And I think that's what we're talking about. You know what I'm saying? Right. These are these a death penalty is oppressive. You know right. what I mean? And I, and in that regard, I do you know hold you know people in Hong Kong that ability to have, be autonomous. But I think what's interesting too, I had came across this people. I talk about going to a lot of different countries. You know right. what it is. You know right. what the dream right. is right. for me. And I talk about going places, and they're like. Oh, be careful when you go over there. If I go to Honduras, oh, be be careful, Egypt. Oh, be careful. You know it's crazy over there. No, it's dangerous to come here. This is a dangerous place to live. Not only that, as a as a person who like, if you adhere to American politics and like the U.S. government, you can't point the finger at anyone. You are the number one oppressor in the last so many you know years. Most uh, so much of the environmental degradation so much of the global oppression so much of uh late stage capitalism and like hyper capitalism and all this destructive shit comes from american policies so it's it is difficult for me ever to look at another country and go oh, right, these right. things are bad these things right. are bad these things are bad which is true we have to call a spade a spade right. but you can't come from a place if you're you're talking about the united states government right. being less oppressive than right, someone right. else just doesn't exist and i said ferguson uh and those riots happened i was not at the ferguson i was uh in baltimore, I was in baltimore right for freddie gray same shit there were fucking tanks out there the other place that i would compare is France, right? Because we've had the Yellow Vest movement. Right. Where, like, the government has responded incredibly, like, powerfully. Like, they've utilized non-lethal force, but they've utilized huge violence against those people that are protesting. And again, I'm not saying that the people in France are not wiling the fuck out. I mean, these motherfuckers are putting, like, guillotines on the street and shit. Like, Americans can't even imagine that kind of civil disobedience. Like, we want to chop your fucking heads off. Like... No American could conceptualize saying that about any American politician, bro. It'd be, I mean, there are some, but most of us don't have near that level of purpose. Yeah, think, just think about how, and this is a conversation I know you have. I mean, you, you're probably thinking about this right now as you're listening to this. 
oh, these, these people could be listening to me. It's a joke that we all make and every day in the United States. Oh, they're, they're listening to me. You know what? Everyone knows about the NSA. You know, or I don't know if everyone knows, but you should know about the NSA right now. You should know who Edward Snowden is and Julian Assange and Chelsea Manning and all these whistleblowers and like what that looks like. That exists in the United States. It's much more, it's much more pervasive and prevalent in the United States than it really is anywhere else in the yeah, world. We just take it for granted. Like I automatically assume at any given time, Several people are listening, you know, and, and not just even, you know, Alphabet. Shit, fucking Google is listening. You know what I'm saying? Amazon right. is listening. Like, all kinds of motherfuckers are at every given moment, and we give them permission to do it. They have HD audio of probably everything you we're saying. saying. It's right. stereo, man. They got his shit is like, well, we right. have five uh, cameras, so we were able to reproduce the, the fucking Dolby effect of yeah. the placement. Yeah, and they put the auto-tune on there. They switch our pitch, and you know they just you know, sit back and listen. All of that shit, and we take that for granted in the West, right? Now, compare and contrast. What the fuck did China do, bro? Not shit. They let themselves be embarrassed on a national platform, and it shows you how much they've evolved as far as, like, how much slicker their government has gotten as far as messaging. Because they know the world is watching. They know the West says that they're fucking uh, civil rights violators. And you compare and contrast the Western government's uh, responses to stimulus that is similar and, and lesser, right? And it's way more dramatic in effect. You compare and contrast this 30 years ago because all you hear about China is Tiananmen Square. Tiananmen Square. You know, that was the joke in America. Like, you know, they about to fucking unleash the tanks at any fucking moment. And China didn't do shit. They sat there and watched it happen. Right? Now, again, they reserved the right. Who the fuck knows what will happen before the end of things? But they understand right now, that's a distraction. Belt and Road. That's the shit we on. We can't throw our fucking focus off Anything other than what we're doing, which is building roads where we can drive from Beijing to fucking Johannesburg. Yo, we're heavy on the geopolitics today, baby. Y'all are getting a real dose right now. This shit matters, man. You gotta be able to connect the fucking dots on all of this shit. It is. Speaking of uh, foreign policy and geopolitics, your boy John... I am the walrus. Yeah. Fucking Beatles. Yeah, uh John Bolden is out. Whoa, what a surprise. Whoa. Oh my god. Jeffrey Epstein committed suicide. Oh my yo, John Bolton being out is the 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 least surprising thing since happened happened since Jeffrey Epstein died. No, man. It's actually very surprising to me. Really? I feel like this has been a conversation they've been having for like six months. He's a powerful person, and he's been behind the scenes for a lot of things, man. Like, when you think about Venezuela, bro, this is how far back he goes. He was the United States ambassador to the United Nations under George Bush, the latter, the lesser. (laughs) That's an incredibly powerful position. He was the person that was in the United Nations on the floor, representing the United States today, when Hugo Chavez came out after Bush spoke and was like, y'all smell that? The fucking devil was right here today. Bolton was in that room, bro, representing the... This is an incredibly powerful man that has been an agent of the empire for a very long time. I agree, and he's been a retread. That's what I'm saying. Oh, sure. He's he's in, he's out, he's in, he's out. I mean, I, I feel like this has been... No one in the Trump cabinet lasts that long, bro. Like how many how many people have gone through like what is what was he uh, Secretary of State Yeah how many is this like the fourth no, no, one No 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 he was the, he was the National Security Advisor So he had the position that um, 
Dr. Rice had ah. under Bush. I mean, a very, a very powerful position. Right. No, that's it. You're right. Very powerful position. So, like, he was the person that was, you know, drafting all of the Iranian Yeah, he was foreign been, he's been wanting to get at a, it on for, Venezuelan, like, decades. All of that shit. Like, and when it went south for Guaido, bitch ass. Like, it starts to look real bad for Bolton. Like, you're out there, you know, making it look like you, you're telling. It's Bay of Pigs. It's like, it really is. Like, nobody wants to admit it's that bad. Like, your PR fucking whole campaign failed. Like, this dude was supposed to come out and all the people were supposed to rise up in the jungle and overthrow the fucking government because people fucking power and shit. And didn't no motherfucker come out, bro. And right now, Guaido is having a fucking, he's having another another huge fucking scandal in Venezuela right now because he's been in Colombia and he's been taking photos with straight up Colombian D-boys, bruh. Motherfuckers known that are syndicate cocaine runners, bruh. Guaido. Man, to be the type of person that the United States would pick for you to overthrow a government, you gotta be a pretty fucked up individual, man. Yeah, but so you're I'm supposed sure to be quiet about it, He don't it, know bruh. what he's doing. He don't know what he's doing over there. I mean, look at how, how they backed Panama a loser. was. Like, how, like, you know what I'm saying with, with the dude? Like, all that is, like, bro, we can't acknowledge what's happening here. We're not, he ain't taking no fucking photos with, with fucking Pablo Escobar, bro. Like, that would never happen. It's so interesting that we're talking about this after we just spoke about China, like, having particular goals <laughs> and, like, right. and, like, moving as an entire unit towards right. those goals. Right. When the United States government so is, like, fractured. Se- no cohesion. Exactly. We were just having... I don't know if we should even talk about this. Nah, nah. So, you know, you already know. You know what I'm saying? It's just interesting when you look at the different perspectives of the people that are making policy in geopolitics right now. But John Bolton got fired. Motherfuck that dude. Fuck him. He been a piece of shit for a long ass time. I got no love for him. Yeah. You know, and they're trying to brand him like a, a fucking member of the left. A neocon. That shows you how fucking far in the fascist land we are now. The world is just... It just Fascists makes no sense. Fascists are calling neocons leftists, bruh. Well, I mean, it makes sense, though, right? Because they're trying to brand fucking G.W. Bush like some kind of half-assed liberal these days. You know, that's We're going to talk about that in another podcast Man. at length, okay? I did want to talk about this. This was a story that came out, and I thought it deserves some attention, man. If I'm sure y'all probably already heard about this. If you are connected into the political world, you may not be, but I'm not mad at that at all. But um, uh, Israel banned Rashida Tlaib and Representative um, Ilhan Omar from going to the um, country of Israel. The country and, that re- receives $16 billion worth of guaranteed finances from our Congress? That The same country? Yeah. Doesn't Sanders That's the vote same for one. that? Sanders votes for that every year? And this is the conversation that we always have about Bernie Sanders is like, for him, it's... You know, I'm just I'm woker than those guys, you know, and that's like the Democrats number one, uh, their number one marketing strategy. Oh, we're at least we're better than them. And I feel like that's this whole thing. But my thing is, is like where where is the strong if you talk because you know what we should have talked about? Actually, we should really have talked about. Uh, the Democratic debates and like who's now becoming the front runner oh, and all those different God. conversations. We need to have another one of those. Who's maybe yeah, next podcast? Yeah, we'll take that one for y'all, America. Because yeah. I feel world. like the last the last time we did um, the Democrat rundown, I think that was a really good opportunity right. for folks to kind of just see where where we were at and maybe where they were at. Um, one of the more downloaded episodes. That's what's up. <laughs> we're starting to build up on the downloads, man. I checked it out today, man. Y'all are the best, man. Love Y'all and respect. Best. We're just going to keep it on that one. Yeah, but I mean, I just I just think about um 
the audacity of them saying American representative of government chosen by the American people can't set foot in what is meant to be an American ally. That's incredible audaciousness. Like, could you imagine Britain doing that? France saying one of your congressmen, that's not under indictment. You haven't been, no scandals associated with you. You're not like ex-special forces. You're not even like considered a danger. They just don't want you to come. So they're right. like, fuck it's you. Just, it's just symbolic, right? You know what I mean? Yeah. What I'm saying is, I, and, and everyone is looking at, this is this is typical schmegular shit. Right. Everyone's looking at the Republicans like, hey, you need to condemn this for happening. But the Democrats aren't even really condemning, condemning it for happening. They're, they're going as far as they can gain politically by saying something. But this is the issue that we have with a lot of the Democratic candidates running for president. You have these candidates who we can rock with. You know what I'm saying? The Rashida Tlaib, Ilhan Omar, and how long, uh, Ilhan Omar. Um, the, you know the squad. Right, you know right, the you right, know right. the you know the the squad of right. four. Um, you know these are people that at least I can resonate with. And it's like you never want to support them. You never come out and say, "Oh, if y'all got beef with them, y'all got beef with us." It's always like you know we respect their views and we you know don't believe that this is appropriate for the united states government that that bullshit you know that doesn't that doesn't send you anything you know when you know that you work here but then people if it was a fight they don't help you if you got jumped they will watch yeah if you're if the supervisor told you to fire them you wouldn't be like well this person does this you'd be like all right wow we gave you a lot (laughs) what are we gonna do next are we gonna style let's style let's style Alright, so a lot of y'all know, man. Look, I live in DC, but I'm a DC hater. You are a DC hater. I'm a DC hater. Look, bro, I tried, you know, I this shit didn't work out, bro. And I, the last shit I saw that was barely watchable, I would say, was Aquaman. Because I love Jason Momoa and shit, but the shit was not. I mean, <laughs> Black Panther two, the retread underwater. Yeah. You know, it's what I'm not saying? a great. It's not a good movie, man. Shazam, you loved it. I, I was did like, not love it. Oh, you liked it, it a lot. I liked it. I, I jumped it. off, man. Aquaman was my off point. I'm like, if this is literally the best it could be, I'm done. So I didn't watch Shazam um, at the theaters. <laughs> it, DC is slim pickings right now. And I, I'm I out. agree. I'm out. That's right. Real. I'm out. However, 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 a lot of people are saying a lot of really great things about Joaquin Phoenix's portrayal of the Joker, saying it's going to be iconic, saying it's going to redefine it. Also, however, it's specifically not going to be in the particular DCEU that's happening right now. What I ask to you as a DC fan, how do you feel about that? How do you feel about the movie? What do you think for like somebody like me? Who's really pretty much maybe someone a little bit less? Uh, 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 I don't know. Y'all know y'all gonna peer pressure me to watch this bullshit anyway. Yeah, but, the whole team is against you on this one. I know, man. I stand I, alone, bro. You were, I stand you've alone. been standing strong, but the 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 main squad of of uh your main squad of homies are just too into the Joker movie for, let for you me, to stop. Let the audience know why maybe we should consider fucking with it. Those of us who have been burned before. No, I'm not here to tell you that. I know. Look. I have a sixth sense about media. I know when I see some shit that's about to be good. He that's called all I Planet can say. Hawk three years in advance, y'all. I have to. I have to confirm that there are certain things that we both do just because we have the foresight. We know how things work. We we've seen her so many comic books 
that, uh, you know, we can kind of predict where stories are going to go. And we make wrong mistakes, too. I want to acknowledge I made a long, wrong, lot of wrong predictions. Anyway, um, I, I am just excited about I like Joaquin Phoenix a lot as an actor. I think he's he's one of them crazy white dudes, like a Gary Oldman type. That oh, just, wow. Yeah, that just dives into the method acting, you know, just dives into a role in a way that I don't think a lot of these other white dudes be doing that, like get the big roles and stuff like that. I like the Joker character. I like the fact that it's going to be something sort of off off center i don't know ex exactly how to explain it i don't like why like learning the problem is, is i'm not good at selling this because i don't like to watch anything that's preview based because i don't want any spoilers right i know you haven't seen any spoilers but it's interesting that you talk about how it's not going to be in the dceu the term that's loosely based on uh... <laughs> <laughs> um at this point with what's going on with spider-man what's going on with Marvel and they're, them trying to reintroduce the X-Men or reintroduce the Fantastic Four, or any of these uh, titles that they now have. You know, I, I think as comic book fans and as comic book movie fans, because they're different things, I appreciate that people are just going, all right, let's just try something over here and try something over here and throw a movie out here and see what sticks. I'm not mad at that. And what they did t to this movie, the Joker movie, is what... Uh, Fox did with Wolverine. They said, forget, and I know you loved Logan. I did love Logan. You did love Logan. I love Logan. It's a great movie. It's one of the best comic book movies of all time, in my very humble yet uninformed opinion. And I think the way that I felt about that movie coming out is very similar to the way I feel about this Joker movie coming out, which is it's not a superhero movie. It's a movie about a, a, a superhero. He's not a superhero. He's a supervillain. But in terms of popularity, I mean, we're going to be rooting for the Joker, I assume. So all I'm saying is you're going to get to watch a different type of superhero movie that's not, here's the introduction, here's the backstory, here's the conflict, here is the MacGuffin, here is the final boss battle, here's the denouement, here's the end of uh, the post credit scene, you know, which is what Marvel's formula is, which I get works and it's great and I like the movies, but I'm trying to see something that's off-center, off-kilter, and that's what I think this movie is going to be, and it has Zazie Beats in it. I don't like when anything, anybody says anything bad about Zazie Beats. So, ta-da. Watch the movie. Zazie is amazing. She is. And she's one of the very few people that I would potentially consider changing my views on marriage to uh, entertain, you know, entertain the concept for like five seconds. And why are you going to watch the movie? If we weren't involved, <sighs> could you give us one reason why you would want to watch this movie? No. Okay, what can I ask you a second question? Sure. If you were, how do you feel about... I feel like it's dangerous, right? I feel that like That they're splitting like the this, universes. No, 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 no. I feel like the movie in and of itself uh. is a dangerous film to release in a time like this when there are so many people that are mentally unstable or so the story will say. I think about, a, 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 you know, the, the, the movie that they're comparing it to the most is like Taxi Driver, which was a, a, an incredible film in the 70s. Scorsese really dark. Did it. Right. About a dude who chooses to become a vigilante on his own and says, the you know, the law is what he makes it. Right. We all knew to revile Daenerys Targaryen when she took the law and made the law her own. Right. But when someone like a Joker character, someone with no super strength, someone that is very easy to relate to and you make him the easy man, you make him the every man. Right. And then. 
you know, society treats him bad, and so he decides to become a psychopath. I think it's a very dangerous story to release at a time like this when you have a population of people who are armed very well, who have a tenuous grasp on what is reality and and laws applying to them. I think so like a movie like that to me is just automatically it's like why right now would you make this film? I understand. And center this person. That's relevant I affirm that. Uh, just another question would you just bury the universe? Period. At this point, you're just you're ready to bury the entire well, you, universe. You know me, man. My my, my recipe for uh, for DC fixing DC is two two different things, right? And I, I like what they're doing because they're doing something I would have done, and that's making the world uh, a world where you have dynamic villains and they're interesting. But I would have went a different way with the villains. I would have went one of two approaches. I would have either introduced someone who was an antihero like Lobo, you know, and bring in Danny Trejo as his big space crazy guy muscle bound guy someone that i could conceptually believe could you know be a lobo yes big a badass right maybe smack jason momoa around you know a guy that i believe it you know i believe he's a badass so that's one way i would have went or the other way i would have went is uh you know i'm a big vandal savage fan a dude that's been watching from the background for thousands of years guiding society to the type of society I want to create and, and making small moves behind the scenes. Once every 20 years, I come out, I come to a party, you know, I talk to some people and we set policy. A movie like that would have been the way right for DC to go to really like add sauce to their extended universe. Instead, you're taking a one off movie that doesn't build your universe. It's just a, to me, it's it doesn't make sense right now. Yeah, it feels like they came up with it. A long time ago. Like, don't you feel like this movie has been talked about for, right. like, years yeah. and years and years? And I think you're right. I think they're doing themselves a disservice by they putting it out now. They haven't earned a film like this. They haven't earned a film like that. And we saw a bunch of different... We saw Wolverine and 800 Million Things. Right. And, yeah, we're just going to be getting this Joaquin Phoenix. I'm excited. I think it's at least going to um, be a conversation. I would like to say I'm excited, but I'm not. Um, let's see. Oh, Jay Prince, bruh. Y'all, y'all know, man, very few people will ever stand for Prince the way I do, right? Because I am a Southern fucking man. And when you're talking about a self-made, uh, to the extent that a black person can be self-made, you know what I'm saying? A successful black capitalist, right? Uh, he rose from relative non, non-wealth to an extraordinary amount of wealth for uh, a black American, uh, and he opened a lot of doors for a lot of black rappers. You know, uh, Rap-A-Lot was the first label in the South. You know, the first, you know, or, I mean, Rap-A-Lot is invented about the time Ruthless Records is invented. Bro, when's the last time Ruthless put out a record, bro? <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I assume you would know more than I mean, I... You're the one that be listening to uh, old hip-hop. I hate you. Well, you know, Bone Thugs is gonna make it now, but, like, you know, I got... Who even knows, man? Are even they still on Ruthless? Who knows? Jerry's still getting that money. Um, (laughs) I'm actually pro-Heller, but that's a whole nother conversation, man. A lot of people don't know. So one of the things is, in his book lately, uh, Jay Prince, he talked about in the book, The Art and Science of Respect, there was, at one time, he was trying to do, like Sam Cooke... He was trying to get together with Irv Gotti and a couple of other super powerful black magnates in the rap industry and create their own distribution chain, something to rival Interscope. All of a sudden, 
Now there's different alphabet organizations listening to his conversations, trying to set him up for like, you know, payoffs and whatnot, saying that he's moving drugs. And there was a dude that he talked about in the book, an agent of the uh, Enforcement Against Drugs organization. And, uh, you know, he, he named this dude about how this dude tried to set him up and draw him out uh, and kill him. And uh, came out this week, man. That guy got caught up in a corruption charge. Come to find out, the black guy was telling the truth. There was some guy trying to frame him, bring it back to Mosley all the way. You know what I'm saying? For things that he, because he was a preeminent black man creating opportunities for predominantly black people. So important when people can stand up to that type of um, overreach. And I've, you're listening to this. The entire drug war is bullshit. It's, it's, I feel like people have this conversation. This is what happens. You try to set up a sting with a low-level dealer. You try to get them to flip because their entire life is based on them not going to jail. Right. You then try to flip somebody else. You then try to flip somebody else. And you try to get to a place where you can not find the big fish, but get something on somebody that you need. The people that might need to apply pressure to him right. can use. Exactly. So, And all these different we call them, you know, we call them ops, are happening simultaneously all over the place surrounding any, I would imagine, any black artist or black... At any given time. At any given time. We know that happens with Black Lives Matter. We know that happens with a bunch of different um, radical organizations. It's just kind of nice to watch someone just be validated, you know, in right. an open space like that. A lesser human being would have died. If they decided that, that it's time for you to go... You go. And then we're just talking about China and we extradition. We're absolutely just talking about China. Yeah, they right? just, instead of putting you in a, you know what I'm saying, in a room and sentence you to death, they just pop in your room and say you pulled out a gun. Right. Some bureaucracy decided in a room 50 years ago that they were only ever going to let you say so much. Exactly. And, and take it international. We don't even know. We just throw a robot. A robot comes down and, and blows up a village. You know what I'm saying? So I think that's a lot to consider, man. That was definitely some praise for Jay Prince. and uh, Deservedly so, yes. What the fuck, man? DJ Vlad, bro. Okay, so we Where should... the fuck did this dude come from? DJ Vlad, I looked up his Wikipedia page, and it, it, it does feel... Okay, so we should probably talk about who DJ Vlad is. If you don't know, DJ Vlad is a... Does he make music? Is he a producer? How many, how many hit songs has DJ Vlad made? DJ Vlad hasn't made any hit songs. Ever? Uh, I don't know Ever. how many beats okay. or production. Any songs I might recognize? I don't think there are any songs that no you might, songs recognize might recognize by DJ Vlad. But DJ Vlad runs a YouTube channel and he talks to a lot of, I don't want to say rappers, but he definitely rappers and people sort of that surround hip-hop culture and rap culture in general. He has a lot of very particular subject matter that people speak on and reveal a lot of information about that particular thing. And it's one of those if you know, you know kind of things. Look up DJ Vlad in your own time if you don't know. It's the best example I can get. But I think there's been a conversation that, that popped up for you with one of your homies. Or yeah. We don't got to name names here. We'll take the brunt force of it. But where sort of did he come from, I, I don't know. And why do people feel comfortable giving so many yeah, bro, they the, go on the dj vlad show and it's like you know it was back when i was moving like 30 keys a week you know we were coming up through the glaze you know we would drive up by 10 it was me x y and z you remember like you met that dude 
Yeah, you seen them last week. And uh, we were we were moving all these keys, man. And it's just we never thought shit could go wrong for us, man. And then, you know, the cops, man. I never would have thought about that. And I think it's also interesting, too, man, <laughs> just talking about, like, interviews on YouTube and YouTube becoming, like, the 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 most watched streaming. Oh, absolutely. Show. You know what I mean? Like, absolutely. we don't talk about it because it's free, free, like Facebook is free or any of that. You know, you, you're bombarded with ads and tracked and all that data on you, but um, it's it's super watched. And anytime you have that many eyes on something, you have to question, well, where did this person pop up from? Where are their credentials? So like, what where did, did you say start? on this Wikipedia? Where is uh, Vlad? Is Vlad short for anything? But let's look it up right now. All right, let's I look up it. DJ I had, and Vlad. And maybe we can um, we can read a little bit about what's popping with DJ Vlad. His name is Vlad. Vlad what? Lebovny. Lebovny. I do not. The Lebovny? only other Vlad I know is uh, uh, Vladimir. The Impaler. <laughs> yeah, Vladimir Drepistakul. <laughs> yeah, literally Fucking Dracula. Dracula, nigga. Yeah, he was, um, he was born in the former Soviet Union. Oh. Kiev. <laughs> okay. That's like hip-hop. He has three million subscribers, and guess how many views? How many? Two point one billion. Wow, that is the population of India. Says that he was interested in hip hop in his youth, and states that he fell in love with hip hop in when NWA released Straight Outta Compton in '88. <laughs> he went to University of California Berkeley, and he worked for Intel. And Sun Microsystems. Bruh, Sun Microsystems, that's amazing. Sun Microsystems, uh, they're the ones that uh, they created Oracle. Uh, they were, like, very powerful in the 90s, but they went away. You know, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's, I mean, he launched. They, they don't even exist anymore, Sun yeah. Microsystems. <laughs> but they were definitely. They were the shit. They were the shit for sure. Yeah, no, for real. Like, Apple took a lot of their steez. Like, because some microsystems, bro, those computers would be like $30,000 a pop. They had their own operating system. They were stylish and yeah. shit. It says he began DJing and experimenting on his friend's equipment in 2010, and he started doing hip-hop beats. And then it just says... He was in like a documentary, and he was on the American Gangster television show. Do you remember that? That come on BT? Not at all. I never even heard of this shit. And then he just launched Vlad TV, and, and just started. When you see some of the artists that are on Vlad and some of the things that they say, it will blow your mind. Like Jay Prince has famously said, he's never gonna go on there. Like the joke is, yeah, you're the cops, but I think. Uh, Cut the C off, bro. Like, yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the United States is the second largest polluter on Earth behind China. To truly make a difference, we must overthrow the United States government. Yo, so bees are doing really well in Europe right now. Bees? Yeah. You know, there is only one type of bee that gives honey. And that's the European bee. Did you know that? I don't believe that's that. That's true. Look it up no. right now. Look it up. It's the only one that... Uh, that may be the only one that's used for fucking commercial production of I think honey. It's the only species of bee that makes honey. That's, Maybe I'm wrong. No, you're wrong. You're I'll wrong. let the people look it up. No, nah, because you know what? I've seen shit with David Attenborough where it shows Africanized people that knock down fucking honeycombs with smoke and they get the fucking honeycombs. Those aren't fucking... Those are the... Africanized killer bees. Oh, right, true. I have seen that. 
Why did I read that? I'm going to look it up. See, Just keep talking what you're talking about. Man everywhere. Anyway, what's been killing the yeah, bees. Yeah, thanks for David Attenborough for tearing down <laughs> white supremacy. <laughs> that, was a, that was a really long around the fucking quarter, bro. Right. Okay, that's what it is. Um, that's because EU, man, like Denmark uh, and Germany, all of them are introducing like PFA bans, glyphosate bans, and it's not been anything killing the bees other than these fucking chemicals, man. These fucking fertilizers. Uh, are killing the fucking bees. And so the European countries that have been banning that shit, they've been seeing the bee populations rebounding, bro. Wow, that's really good news. You know what we do here in the United States? We don't allow bees to pollinate. We invent ways to put bees on a plane or a train or an automobile, and they go from one grove to another grove, and they pollinate almonds or whatever we have to do in some capitalist way, instead of... Working to save and protect a, the environment. Yeah, bees should definitely be a natural thing, bro. You go out into the woods, there should be some fucking bees, bro. I mean, can you imagine, like, the idea of, for, like, indigenous people or, yeah. like, anyone 200 years ago just watching how, like, we continue to be in denial about what we're doing to, like, this, I'm not, I'm like, not even global warming. Not, let's yeah. just get rid, rid of all of that. We talked maybe a few podcasts ago, months ago, mm. about 25% of all of the animal species on the planet are endangered. Yeah. And the bees, we need them. When you were, bro, when did it change? Like, I remember as a kid, bro, there were bees all the time. Like, you know, when you were a little kid, it's like, oh my God, the bees are not going to fucking sting me. They and tried I got to stung, blame it. Bro. They I got tr- stung a lot. Yeah, they tried to blame it on the African bees coming Africanized in. Africanized killer, yeah, killer bees. Killer bees. They're the- going to fuck the European bees just like them Africans. You know what we're saying? We're not going to say it, but them African bees. They're the killers. Super aggressive. <laughs> Yo, and they just... I think that bee had a gun. <laughs> I remember, like, they used to show that shit when I was a kid. The Africanized killer bees. You see a town it. overrun oh. <laughs> with bees, and you're like, oh, no. I was definitely, as a kid, man, I was afraid the bee apocalypse was going to happen in my life. I see a bee now, and I, like, encourage it. Right. I'm like, oh, hey, B. Yeah. Want to let you know you're doing a great job. Make some sugar water for your ass. You know, high fructose corn syrup is great for you. Here's what a positive thing that you can do. <laughs> I learned this the other day. If you really want to help the bee population, you can fill a small, I don't know, tub or just a huge bowl of something with water and marbles. And what that allows the bees to do is sit on top of the marbles and drink the water without oh, wow. drowning. Nah, that's yeah, so fascinating. Something. I like it. Yeah, it's pretty tight, right? I always liked marbles as a kid. But who would have thought it wouldn't have been the African bees and it would have been the glyphosate yeah, that brought the, glyphosate. the bees down? Yeah, so that's uh, that's something that's real. You know something else is real that's happening right now, man? What else is real? Fucking Pornhub is planting a tree for every hundred views of like their uh, their material. Say what you want about... How do about, you feel about that? First, say what you want about Pornhub, but... They they do some great marketing. I, they really I, I do. always feel like I hear something about them in the right. They were the ones that was they, they were like, oh, we're gonna buy Tumblr <laughs> when it. <laughs> it probably would be a good move, man. It probably would. Pornhub been. probably that that would have been on brand. They should have bought Tumblr. The best thing about Pornhub is you can watch a lot of free movies on there. There you go. You know you, what I you're mean? Reading it for the articles, <laughs> but you really can. You can find right. a lot of. You can stream a lot of illegal content in terms of. Mm. Like movies that are out right now and things of that nature. Anyway, what I think about this tree, this new tree thing, I'm here for it. It's I'm happy of, for whoever plants a fucking tree. Shout out man. to trees, man. Yeah. They're doing their thing. And yeah. I like, it's, uh, 
it's sort of like the conversation around paper straws, which we're going to get to in a second. It's like, I'm applauding that you're doing something positive, but in the scheme of climate change, we can't plant trees out of the climate change. It, there's way too much CO2 in the air. Now, you can do a lot of positive things with trees. You can help create ecosystems. You can, um, uh, you know, trees uh, can filter soil and things like that. It's it's positive for the ecosystem. Right, it's great but against erosion. You know, there are other things that yeah. the trees do. Also, what kind of trees, I think, is the matter, right? Because I can tell you, in Arkansas, 200 years ago, it was all old forest. Yeah, and that's good for uh, environmental mm-hmm. uh, diversity. Right, it's old, good for the old soil. forests. Right, and uh, when all of the the fucking paper cutters came in, organizations like Wirehauser, they would cut down the forest and they would plant fucking uh, evergreens, which changed the whole composition of the soil. But they grow fast. You know what I'm saying? So it doesn't look like deforestation happened. It looked like you cut down these oaks, and look, five years later, you got all this forest again. You bring up a great point because a lot of what's happening in uh, tropical regions is when they, you know, they say, oh, we're planting new trees. They take down all the trees and they plant the palm oil trees. Right. And palm oil trees do not um, do not promote diversity in terms of the species that are there in, no, in terms of what the old forests are. And also remember, right, these forests don't exist just to produce some commercial product. When you're talking about forest, these are places where animals live. Lots of animals live. Insects live. Right? When you're planting a palm oil plantation, you don't want shit to live there. Yeah. Like, you you know? want to protect your investment. Right. It's a capitalist uh, So it's a lot viewpoint. more than just, you know what I'm saying? Oh, well, the CO2 footprint, right? And those You're are right. things. And I think those are important things as we begin to look at things like the Impossible Burger, right? Because that's one of the things that we I see another, you know, we have a lot of fascists to try to come on our social media. But we, we also do. have a lot of fucking militarized ass vegans. fucking vegans, man. Like, you know, you have to save the world by not eating meat. Wait, what? There are so many great reasons to be a vegan, right? Some of the things are there are arguably a lower carbon footprint. That's a possibility. That's something that happens. You don't have the moral ambiguity of having to take a, a living creature's life, which is something like if you've never had to uh, you know, kill a chicken or if you've never had to kill a cow, people don't know how hard that can be. And you don't it should be something that's not easy to do. So when you have a steak, it's because you, you know, even a hunter, you know, you wake up at 3 a.m., you go out there, you track an animal. Like, everybody's like, oh, anybody could kill a deer. Yeah, I call <laughs> bullshit. Right. I can give your ass any kind of gun you ask for and leave you in the fucking woods for a month and you will never kill a fucking deer. It's not this easy thing that, you know, and I see that shit out there a lot. You know, it's like deer smell better than you. They, they hear better than you. They see better than you. Also, it's like I live here. What the fuck is these steps? You know what I'm saying? Like. This is not a creature that I recognize, right? So, like, what I'm saying with those things is those are things where people have to go out and put some type of stress to bring home meat. It's different from, like, you know, a slaughterhouse where 50,000 cows got killed, you know, this week, you know, and we just move into stakes. Nobody has to – there's no penalty, right? It's just pure accessibility without any of the complication that comes with rearing livestock, you know? And so it's an instant gratification. And and that's a, those are solid arguments for me for veganism. When it comes to eating beef, the stakes are high. It's a lot. Yeah. Steaks are fucking delicious. Let me say that. My dear friend is a plant-based liver. 
of life. You know what I'm saying? And I, I have brought a lot more of that into my diet. That's real shit. I feel real effects, but also steaks are fucking delicious. I eat them often. What, what I think this conversation when it comes to like the pretentiousness of veganism and the whiteness of veganism is that it doesn't go far enough. It, it stops at a place where they can have moral high ground. Oh, absolutely. And that's what you're looking for. That's what a lot of these like white activists and, and activists in general, but the right, only right. activists that subscribe to whiteness, it's like, here's my moral high ground. And if you eat meat, that means I'm better than you. Right. Cruelty-free are arguments that I'm, I'm, I just... I reject them off top because if you want to truly change your um, change your space, change the environment, change uh, the way that the global capitalist market teaches you how to eat food, you have to be a revolutionary person. Right. You have you stopping to eat meat and you stopping your friends to eat meat doesn't mean that the meat uh, that meat consumption is not on the rise globally. And if you don't want to accept that. You, you need to move away from the conversation. You, what you can do on the micro and what you can do as being the change that you want to see is very important. It's, like, it's kind of like how we were talking about the um, what's going on in Hong Kong right now. Right. It's like, yeah, on the micro, yes, it's important for your body. It's important for the environment. It's important for the sustainability of growing crops to take a step away from eating meat and also take a step away from eating fruits and vegetables that come from a far place, which you don't hear about. Right. That's what the vegans want to leave off. Right. And I'm plant-based. You know right. how you know I am right. with that. They've destroyed whole ecosystems with quinoa. You know what I'm saying? They've, they've radically changed the price to the point whereas the cultures that indigenously ate quinoa can't even afford the shit no more. Yeah, and these you know are conversations that are important to have if you want to have a nuanced conversation. Right. When we talk about cruelty-free, the number one reason most people are migrating across the southern border is so that they can work in these agricultural farms. So when fucking I have to worry about was, was a worker's fucking child taken by fucking ice so that you can have $3 a bushel fucking Driscoll fucking berries and shit. Don't talk to me about that being cruelty free because it's not the most cruel shit it's ever. Incredibly right now. cruel. And I've hear I've heard some uh, arguments from the vegan community that I'm around of. Well, if everyone stopped eating meat, you would have a drastically changed global environment. And while I agree with that, you have to live in a world where you understand that if everyone stopped doing a particular thing. A lot of positive changes would happen, right. but that's not how we move through and the that's world. That's single out, and it's tough for me as a person that grew up, you know, from a really big family, really, really poor, like incredibly poor. But even by most standards of poverty, we were even poorer than that. You know what I'm saying? Like when you've literally missed meals and you have self righteous vegans talking about what you should and what you shouldn't eat. Like if you haven't been hungry before. You should never tell a person what they should and shouldn't eat. It's just such a a presumptuous privileged position you know what i'm saying i want to i want to be clear here with this as well for my vegan friends i am totally with you when it comes to stepping away from meat uh, and meat byproducts not just for the environment but for your health i think it's important for everyone who has the ability to take a step back in the way that they feel comfortable knowing that the stakes are high because they are (laughs) <laughs> but that doesn't mean that you get to come and shame people. I guarantee you, I have moved 
the needle far more because everyone around me right. has decided because they love me and because I think they pay attention to me, which I acknowledge right. and I really appreciate, have taken a step away from me. There is nobody in my life that hasn't taken a small step back. Yeah. And I have to applaud those small steps yeah. every time. I can't come back and say, well, you're still eating this and you're still eating that and you're still doing this and come from a moral high ground. Yeah. And that's what we have to do as radical uh, artists and activists. My next thing partner judge. and me this morning, we were like, you know, oh man, I think it's going to be a vegetable week because like, you know, one one week every month, you know what I'm saying? We're like, we just want to make vegetable dishes. You know, it challenges us as people that like to cook to think outside the, and we also like no butter. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, it's just vegetables without butter. So that challenged me as a Southerner because, bitch, we put butter in everything. <laughs> it's like butterfly butter, you know? Right. And people talking about putting fucking sugar in grits. It's like, but the sugar don't go with the butter, and the butter got to go first because butter go in everything. What the fuck is you talking about? Sugar on grits. What the fuck, I man? mean, I'm not going to judge those sick, sadistic motherfuckers. Yeah. Far be it from me to judge people that think cream of wheat, farina is grits. I'm just... Not the kind of person that would make fun of a weird motherfucker like that. People are off center, man. And I and I get it. I don't judge. Those people are going to watch the Joker movie, and they're going to be less stable. You know, they're already putting sugar in their grits. You know, they're doing things that aren't right. You know, I just I just don't know, man. I, I'm just afraid. That message brought to you by Chamberlain, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. I feel like we've had such an intense, dense, thick conversation today i just wanted to end it on and i mentioned this earlier you know in dc and i think the surrounding area Fuck. we are no longer allowed to have plastic straws bruh we now have paper straws yeah. and uh biodegradable straws what are your thoughts i what are know your as uh as an observant muslim which i love you my dear friend but i'm a fucking jew so we drink god damn it you know what fucking sucks what? getting a fucking cocktail with a Fucking paper fucking straw, man. I fucking hate that shit. I'm like one third through my fucking delicious artisan cocktail, okay, where I'm drinking 12 year old age fucking scotch and through a fucking paper fucking straw, man. You look like an artisan cocktail. Oh my God. The straw don't, it never makes it, bro. And it's it, such a war. Outside right now about and the paper straws. they'll serve straws. you that shit in a plastic cup. You, when you talk about yeah. just dumb shit, man. Yeah, but I think it's a step. Look, it's it to me, it's the same conversation that we talked about with, like, what we just talked about with veganism. It's like, yeah, I mean, it's just a step. Like, it does it is it radically going to change? And it's dumb. Yeah, but I. Well, we got to serve it in paper cups. Then paper cups would make way more impact yeah. than than plastic straws. Didn't, don't you always say we live in an absurdist reality? It's an absurdist reality where you can get a plastic fine for a plastic straw, and then you still get a plastic cup. It's it's about marketing. It's about the, I'm gonna tell you where this came from. You know, it came from peep, and this is another thing I've been realizing too about how much people love animals. We got to talk about my online dating process and how that works because I've, I've learned a lot about uh, our the community around here yeah. uh, that I don't normally um, uh, you know uh, canoodle with um, <clears throat> but it is it's like a brand can we take time to bring back the word canoodle canoodle I like canoodle alright uh, canoodling ass mother. yeah canoodle that could be the name of our uh, our children's show no that's a polka band canoodle what polka band polka Oh, Not it's from for polka? real, motherfucker. I'm saying if we had a polka band. Oh, we call it Canoodle. We'd be the, we'd be the Canoodlers. I'm on board. Right. Um, but I think it has to do with like the branding, and it has to do with how much people love animals, and they love animals in the micro. Mm. They don't love them in the macro. They couldn't give a shit. Right. 
But when they see it, the, what I remember hearing about maybe a year ago was this viral vid- video of a sea turtle that had a, sh- a plastic straw in its nose and couldn't breathe. So they pulled out the plastic straw and they made it a whole big thing because of this viral video. But if you know anything about the ocean and you know about what's going on with um, microplastics and how they're entering into the ocean, you know that the issue just isn't straws getting stuck up turtles' noses, right. which is a bad thing. Right. I, I'm, I'm for ge- removing... Let me ask you this question. What is the environmental impact of like... Because look, the paper comes from something, so now we got to plant bullshit trees. Just to cut those bullshit trees down and make paper to make the paper to make the paper straw. I mean, What's the impact of that, right? Like it looks yeah. like it's more wasteful. Right. I mean, it does. It feels like it does little. I'm like I said. I'm always here for positive steps. I think these are uh, small branding things that get people talking about it. Like you know, uh, I my sister. Hate symbolic change. I hate that shit. I know, but it gets people having a conversation. So I, I I understand that it's super annoying, and I understand that it's really not affecting anything. But it does bring things to the forefront. I know we're different in that regard. You know, I'm always cool with incrementally moving people. And I know you're like, look, motherfucker, y'all need to get over here. And that's real life. Man, how is it helping anything if I have to order another fucking straw before my drink is done? Because this one is <laughs> fucking mush now. You know what, man? I don't fucking up the flavor of my drink. I'm going to tell you some shit. You know I don't fuck with juice. But I don't fuck with straws either. Right, right. I juice will drink is delicious through a plastic straw. Will, like, if I go to a restaurant or something, like, people are always like, oh, no, you need to use a straw. They don't wash those cups. I drink straight from that motherfucker fucking cup i don't like straws i I like to feel the ice on my lips i like to feel that how that works you know what i'm saying so i could give a less a a fuck less about straws in general but i know it's a big thing for people you got anything else before we wrap this thing up nah man we've given them so much so much hey look this is what we want y'all to do go on the instagram matrix podcast email us what you want us to talk about i feel like we haven't talked about that in a while exit the matrix podcast at gmail.com we see y'all rocking with us, and I'm telling you, we're doing big numbers, and we got a bunch of cool things on the way that I think y'all no. are going to rock with. No, you know what I do? I do. You know what? Some of the things that we've gotten has been super dope, man, is some of the fucking fan art, man. Yeah. If you feeling Exit the Matrix, like, tell me what that means to you. Like, draw me a doodle. Draw me something to you that feels like, and what we're going to do is, uh, I think before the end of the season, we'll show y'all some of the some of the illest doodles, and we'll share that with y'all. The illest doodles, also another good name for our children band. Yeah, yeah, that could poker. be a hip hop band. Well, you have right. to be no, that's the early '90s. Like you like diggable planets. We the illest doodles. Yeah, illest doodles. I like that. <laughs> um, y'all are incredible. Free to people. Kill the masters. What else? Yo, be on your anti oppression methodology everywhere you at, man. Everybody talks about do no harm. You know what I'm saying? But take no shit, right? But let's think about, like, what are the systems that we're making that are less oppressive? Like, what are ways that we can be less oppressive, you know, in the groups that we're in, in the groups where we have power? How can we be compassionate? Let's think about those things. Think about ways to exercise gentility. You know what I'm saying? My last thought, uh, well well said, well said, my friend. My last thought is something that you mentioned earlier in the, the episode that I've really been sitting with which is the micro versus the macro. You know, we see a lot of people doing a lot of things and it's our initial reaction to go look at that person doing that thing, check that person out. But a lot of times it's not about what the individual does, it's what the group does, it's what the larger demographics do. So we always talk about, you know what I'm saying? I I was at an open mic the other day and they were saying like, 
oh, you know, men are fucking up, men are fucking up. And I'm like, yeah, men are fucking up. And he's like, oh, speak for yourself. Speak for yourself. And it's like, okay, maybe personally I can feel like I'm making moves and I'm being positive in my regard. But in the macro, men are fucking up. And that's a conversation that's okay to have. It's not a person, it's not a not all men conversation. And I think that's how we can move. I mean, if we honest, even as individuals, we can always think about things that where we could have been better. Right. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't have to share my fucking great faults with the world, but personally, as a human being, as I do self-reflection, I can think about ways where I can exercise greater kindness, greater gentility into the world, ways where I've been hard with myself and others. You know what I'm saying? So, like, when these cats be, like, all pissed off about that shit, I know you're not doing self-reflection. You can't think of, like, three things, that, three people that you could have treated better last right. fucking month. Right. I agree, man. We love y'all. We out. Hey,